Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am so fired up to have you on my show today. So we're going to be talking about a great subject. Our topic is we need an MC, not a DJ. So we're going to be joined by my guest today, Steve Gamlin, who blends positivity, visualization, and humor to help you see and then build action plans to achieve your desired outcomes. Well, how about that? He's going to be using his vision board mastery program techniques, and he'll help you understand your why to help you bring your goals to fruition. So let's welcome to the show, Steve Gallen. Hi, Steve. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for having me on as part of the show. I appreciate being here and looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Awesome. And for those of you at home or in your car or wherever you happen to be right now, call in on this topic because you will want to dial in at 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677, or you can use the chat line if you're shy. I'll be watching for you. Blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash D.T. Linda Gross, forward slash D.T. Linda Gross. All right. So, Steve, tell us a a little bit about yourself. How did you get into visualization and coaching? Just so the audience has a little bit of an understanding of what you do. Sure. Well, it all started when I was 11 years old, and I had a vivid vision even then of what I wanted to do with my life. I got 55 birthday candles, so I may be outdating some people (laughs) with the references here. There was a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati, and it had who I thought was the coolest human being on earth, a DJ named Dr. Johnny Fever. So I wanted to be a radio DJ. I also wanted to be a stand-up comedian because Steve Martin was huge at the time. Thanks to my mom instilling a love of reading and writing, I wanted to write my own books. And I also wanted to be a teacher of people, but not in a classroom setting, because I had an amazing fifth-grade teacher named Mrs. Farron who, if I finished my work early, would always encourage me to go help the other students. So she was essentially, at 11 years old, inspiring me to want to be a coach, to help other people. Now, over the decades since then, I did survive a decade on the radio, seven years of stand-up comedy, have so far published four books, and I've been a professional speaker and a coach now for about 18 years. Wow. So you're going to bring fun to the show. <laughs> oh, we're going we're to have a few laughs in there, too. If, if you're not laughing while you're learning, to me, yeah, what's the point? And, and to answer the question about visualization, that came in after the last crash and burn 20 years ago of my entire huh. life. When I put it back together, I started to re-envision where I wanted to be in all areas of my life. And then when I started to get successful at it, started teaching other people because I took a lot of notes. Very good. So they tell sports players visualization is so important. 
yes, you need to get on the field. Yes, you need to swing the bat. Yes, you need to do all those things. So those athletes are practicing, I don't know, three, four, sometimes even more hours a day, right? But after they get done with all of that, then they hook up with the psych guy who says, I want you to visualize that swing, that the swing is happening at the right angle, at the right velocity, at the right height from the ground. You're using your muscles and it's all coordinated. I want you to visualize that swing. And then after you do the swing, I want you to visualize where are you dumping that ball? Because maybe that ball is needed between first and second. But the next time you're on the mound, maybe it's needed between second and third or some combination thereof, right? So why is visualization not only important for an athlete, but for the average public or the business owner or the entrepreneur? The same principles are at work. What we're doing is making it real long before it actually is real. We're putting ourselves in the situation. We're feeling the emotions. We can feel the conditions. We can put ourselves in exactly the right spot and focus on the skills, the techniques, the habits, and the confidence that we have to have to make it happen. We're actually, in essence, conditioning the wiring so that when we are in that situation, we're going to be at as close to a peak performance level and commitment and self-confidence and belief that we can do this. And there are times, and I used to prove this back when I used to go bowling. Now, I was not a great bowler. But I had just at the time, this is about 18 years ago, started to use visualization. And I started to visualize and deeply focus on exactly where that ball had to go. And eventually, when I stayed focused enough and when I followed through, when I did the movements right and created the the perfect step and release and all of that, I could hit it time after time after time after time. It's making it real before it actually happens. Drawing out the schematic of what needs to be done before we actually do it. So that when we get in the situation, it's a lot more familiar and not that it's effortless, but you stand a much better chance of executing in the right way. If you've already done it in your head so many times, it's almost like you're willing the ball to hit pin seven. Yeah. So you're pretending like it's already come true. Like it's past tense, right? Isn't Mm -hmm. that how visualization works? Yeah, that's a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, so we always grow up with the old saying, seeing is believing. Not in this world. (laughs) They actually have it flipped around that if you believe it, meaning that you believe you've already hit that pin seven because that's the one that needs to go down, believing is seeing. Then you will, if you believe it first, you'll see pin seven go down. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many different interpretations (laughs) and so many people, they see visualization, they go, Oh, great. And artsy fartsy woo woo guru at the top of a mountain, rent your own goat because they don't have a gift shop up there. Arts and crafts, you know, they just think it's so woo woo and mystical when it's Mm -hmm. really not. It's actually scientifically proven. I just don't explain it at the scientific level when I'm working with my people. There are people better prepared to explain that. I just know that it works. In the same way, I can't rebuild the engine in my car, but I know that the fine folks at Honda employ some pretty good engineers. I know when I turn my key and do the work necessary, it will fire up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So we were having a quick conversation offline, and I named the show because I, I like the title. <laughs> we need an MC, not a DJ. So what I mean by that, I used to host a lot of big events, and I used to interview DJs. And I, I tell you, 99% of those DJs thought it was about the music. And I'm like, no, it's never about the music because I can give you a playlist. I can give you the bride's playlist or whatever. Uh, It's not about the music because that's just being robotic, playing whatever's on the list, right? And they think, oh, they're being so creative because they're playing songs that are not on the list. Well, nobody asked you to play the songs that were not on the list. So the way that I would interview them is I would tell them, and you know this being a stand-up comedian, Mm -hmm. it's about being an MC, meaning can you capture the audience's attention? Meanwhile, the room is noisy. They're clinking glasses and the wait staff is banging dishes and stuff's happening, right? Everybody is Mm -hmm. distracted. So can you capture their attention, grab it and say, come on here with me. I've got a story to tell you or I've got something to show you. So how do you relate those aspects to your business and to coaching? And how can that benefit our audience? Actually, something I didn't mention at the beginning of the show was I owned a DJ company for 28 and a half years. (laughs) I was part of 1,700 events. (laughs) Oh, no, everything you said is so – I'm sitting here nodding as I'm listening to it. I was part of 1,700 total events, and more than 1,200 of those were weddings, and you are absolutely correct in that an MC will be able to not manipulate or control, but will be able to guide an audience, guide a dance floor, handle the introductions, deal with anything that might go wrong in the middle of things. I mean, I I know some people who are... I I hesitate to say just DJs, but the ones who think it's just all about the music, when something goes wrong, and by the way, at any event, chaos is 30 seconds away at all times. My first book was called Table Seven Your Yeah. My first book that I published in two thousand late two thousand four was called Table Seven Your Centerpiece is on fire, which did happen. And that does happen. (laughs) So even now as a speaker, as a coach, my job is to help people get from wherever we start together successfully through a call, whether I'm on stage in front of a thousand people at a conference center or just on a Zoom call with a coaching client or just sitting down having a conversation with somebody. My job is to help get the best out of them, give them the greatest possible experience in that moment and to be the guide to control the energy and to keep it focused and on track. Right. And the reason why I bring this topic up is so important for a CEO or an entrepreneur is because it's not all about you. It's not all about your product or your service or any of that. You've got to capture your client's curiosity and attention and diversion, like whatever, you know, they're looking at their cell phone, they're looking at their email, like whatever they're doing on the other side of that screen, I'm sure they're busy. So these skills are very important because no progress is going to be made without that, without being the MC of the conversation, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And for me, And people ask me this a lot. Hey, Steve, who's the most important person at any event you do, whether it's a Zoom call, virtual? I've been all around the world virtual over the past few years and here and there throughout America over the the past decade or so as well. And I get asked a lot, who's the most important person in the room? I said, well, first off, it's the person who trusted me enough to bring me in 
I want to make sure I know their objectives so that I can direct the event to get there. The second most important person in the room is not the person sitting in the front, connecting, jumping up and down, laughing, clapping with everything that I say. It's the people who are sitting in the shadows, the people who need what I have to share the most. And it's my priority to reach other people who might be struggling, who are there as a last ditch effort to learn something, to get motivated, to find some purpose in their life or their job or whatever it is. I have to work really hard to reach them. So that means I have to craft messages that will get their interest, will encourage them to maybe plug in their energy a bit and to tune in with me. I try to be the exact opposite of this one speaker I met one time who said, I've gotten more than 500 standing ovations when I asked his main purpose or why he's successful. And he said it was over 500 standing ovations. And I just looked at him deadpan and said, I got one and I cheated to get it just to prove I could do it as a trick. (laughs) I said, I'm more important that people walk out of there and say, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I was there. And they wake up the next morning and they think one more positive thought, speak one more kind word, especially about themselves, or take one more positive action. If that happens, if those are the results I hear about from the organizers, then I did my job. Absolutely. I love it. So you talk a lot in your business about uh, doing vision boards. So tell us a little bit about that. How can some of us feel that that's a little too woo-woo? Like how can we make that, put it into use and just make it effective, not just a bunch of pictures on a board? Yeah, and that's a, that's a common misconception. Whenever people say, you know, that's too woo-woo for me, I just say, I get it. <laughs> I, I conducted a survey one time, and I said, what is your honest opinion of vision boards and visualization? And one person, I'll never forget this one, said, I can't help but equate it to a fourth-grade art project. And I thought, uh, oh, have I got my work cut out for me here? Yeah. Here's, here's what it is. Many people set resolutions. Many people set goals. Some, some people write them down. And as I go deeper into each one, there are fewer and fewer people actually doing it to this extent. Some people will write it down quarterly. Some people will keep a journal, maybe a gratitude journal of their progress on their goals. Now, I take it to a different level where I use the visual representations of words, mantras, hashtags, pictures, expressions of representation of the goals you wish to achieve. And I work in one-year increments. And if it's a longer-term goal, we just talk about what you can get done toward that in this year. Okay. Now, many people will go to something like a vision board party. Now, I mock them all the time mercilessly, but at least it's something. But my problem with vision board parties is right around mid-January, you see all these people online saying, we're having a vision board party with wine, cheese, crackers, scissors, glitter, glue sticks, magazine, poster boards. Great, you're going to get loaded and use scissors. That's wonderful. But you're going to probably do what most people do, what I call the vision board starter kit. You're going to have pictures of a Lamborghini, a mansion, a yacht, a private jet, a helicopter, some big honking jewelry, and a bank vault full of either pallets of cash or gold bars. Because that's and a, a couple lot of, of cute do. girls. And a couple <laughs> of cute girls. Yeah, whatever your preference is, there's going to yeah. be some really gorgeous version of that on yeah. your vision board. Okay. You know what? And that's where a lot of people go. Now, my challenge with that is you haven't done the prep work to know what you really want, to know okay. why you want it, to have established where you are right now. And I work in eight areas of life. It's not just material things. It's a life wheel that I use. It's a pretty standard tool in the personal development world. I've tweaked it a bit for my needs. And it includes setting at least one goal in each category, physical health, emotional well-being, your relationships, your core values and ethics that guide you, 
your faith and spirituality, if you believe in a higher power, that kind of do the same. It just comes from a different direction. Your connection to the world in a real way, your business and your finances. Now, all of these things are working together 24-7. And the first objection I always get is, Steve, that seems like a lot. I can't focus on eight areas of life. Hey, guess what? They're happening 24-7 anyway. Wouldn't it be a good idea if you had a little bit of a say in the emotions you want to feel every day, in your closest relationships, in how often you get to connect with people and feed off the energy of each other and help each other out? So many people struggled over the past three years during the pandemic, anxiety, loneliness, depression, all of these things that we just felt so removed and out of touch. And a lot of people struggled with that. I know I did. Mm -hmm. In all of these areas, if you improve one, you actually incrementally can improve many more. Just by taking one step toward one goal in one of them, it can impact your entire life. That's the approach I take with people. And just for example, in the program I created, there are 10 steps. You don't okay. gather pictures now, are, do in you my ro- version. rotate them or you spend X amount of time on this one before you go on to the next one? Or how, um, how does that work? No, you just you pick the ones that are most important to you, but you understand that even a slight bit of improvement in one. And just for example, better care of your physical health. If you get enough okay. sleep at night, if you choose better foods, if you exercise on a regular basis and you improve your physical health, it gives you more energy. If you have more energy, you can work harder and be more focused. If you do that, you have the opportunity to make more money. When you have more money, maybe you have time to buy back a little bit of time or freedom and spend some time away, maybe a vacation in a relationship. And if you do it all with good core values and ethics, meaning you're never having to look over your shoulder and you're not screwing people over to make your money, you're going to be in good standing in your core values in Also, your spirituality and faith, if you believe in that, if you're abiding by the laws of whatever it is you may choose to believe in, you're better across the board. So it doesn't take a lot of extra energy in any one of them, but it's just more of an understanding that all of these things are going on. And you know and I know that there are people out there who are so proud that they made $12 million last year, but they consistently screwed people over. Look at the Bernie Madoffs of the world. They had all the money in the world, but oh my gosh, their core values and ethics just ultimately betrayed them because they weren't building in such a way that it built them up as human beings and they just got destroyed for it eventually, which he richly deserved. Right. But there's so many people out there who don't take that into account of how they're going to go after their goals and also the deep emotional connection of why they want each one. Hmm. I'm going to talk about that one. That's a good topic right after the break. Uh, Yeah, Bankman, I mean, he got away with murder. I mean, at least Madoff had to go to jail. But you can use those same strategies to move up and increase your business and expand without resorting to these horrible tactics where you're fleecing people. You know, he could have used those same principles to expand his business. But, you know, not everybody has a conscience, I guess. I like to sleep at night. <laughs> but yeah, as do I. <laughs> yeah, some, some people, people don't care, do and that's okay. We'll just never do business together. That's all. Exactly. Well, my audience, we're going to take a quick break right now, and I want to touch on the why and why that's so important. That also is one of Steve's mottos and what he puts on the menu for his coaching. So we will catch you right back after this quick break. Oh, by the way, call in if you have a question for Steve. The phone number is 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677. 
642-1677 or the chat line blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com, DT, Linda Gross. DT, Linda Gross. Easy enough, right? So we're going to be looking for your call. All right, so let us uh, catch you right back after this quick break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. Darn! Maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archived shows at your convenience. Just Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. That's Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. The on-demand library is also available on the TuneIn app. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show. Today, you're on with my guest, Steve Gamlin, right? Okay, so now we're going to move on to the why. Why is it so important when you're setting a goal for yourself, whether it's losing weight, you know, building muscle, building your brand, building, you know, increasing your business, why should you have a why? Go go for it, Steve. <laughs> the why to me, and this is the way I explain it to a lot of people, the why is the gas in your tank. It's what's going to keep you going in the direction you wish to go, even when things try to get in your way. And mm-hmm. if you don't know your why, the wind could blow a different way. You could just wake up one day and say, I don't feel it today. If you don't have that deeply ingrained emotional connection to why you want to do something, it's going to be much more difficult to see it through to completion. And uh, an example I share is if you remember when the Roomba vacuums first came out mm-hmm. and now they learn a room and they go through and they systematically learn the path of a room. When they first came out, they would just go until they bumped into something. Even if something very small got in their way, they would back up, they would turn and they would just go somewhere else. That's what I was seeing people do over and over and over again. I want to go here. The littlest thing would get in their way hmm. and they would fail at their goal. They say, I want to be healthier this year. And all of a sudden, there's the big beef and bean burrito dinner at their church that's a fundraiser. And the next thing you see their picture on Instagram with bean and beef burrito all over their face. And I'm like, wait a second. You were going to be healthy this year. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll do it again. I'll, I'll get back on it tomorrow. And tomorrow becomes next week, which becomes next month, which means next year. Yeah. I'll get back to it. But if you have a situation, uh, for example, myself, on um, I've been on a very healthy journey, especially the past two years. Stopped drinking alcohol. I've made much better food choices. I'm down about 24 pounds over that time. And people have said, Steve, why did you do that? Why did you all of a sudden do that? I said, well, okay. My dad passed away about four and a half years ago. And in the last 10 years of his life, he had Parkinson's. He had a couple other health issues. He had not taken great care of himself throughout his life, and he admitted this. So I'm not talking out of school here. My wife, Tina, and I both turned 55 
this year. When we get older, I want to make sure that I'm in the best shape possible because my dad was losing his balance and falling down. And my stepmom, who is a little tiny woman of now 80, was not able to pick him up. And every time I wasn't around or available to go help out, it was another ambulance ride. And I said, I need to create the healthiest version of myself as we age so that I'm never a burden to my Tina. Right. That's my why. And every morning when the alarm clock goes off at 5.20 a.m., I shut it off within five beeps. Then I count to five in my head, both feet are touching the floor. I lean back, kiss Tina, get up, go into the bathroom, smile at myself in the mirror, high-five myself, even if my one eye is barely open and I can see it. I'm already smiling. Got a rock song in my head, and I get downstairs and rock a workout for about an hour and a half. And that's my why. Every single day, I just think, if I don't do this, if I break this habit, if I lose momentum, I'm going to be a burden on Tina someday physically. So that's what fires me up every single morning when that alarm goes off. Wow. Great story. Do you know the magic? They've just recently discovered this of the counting to five. I got it from Mel Robbins from one of her yeah, podcasts on the My Light uh, podcast. That's who I was going to recommend. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Then yes, I do know yes. that. I thought there was someone different that. Uh, yeah, that was no, she, she she was invited to do a TED Talk speech back before it barely even was a TED Talk. They were just throwing some nice speakers in the room, and she did her speech, and she was breaking out in hives and turning all red and stumbling over her speech, and she just basically couldn't wait to get off the stage. And the last sixty seconds that had nothing to do with the rest of the speech, she goes, I'm going to tell you how counting to five changed my life. Mm -hmm. And she says, I had high anxiety, and I would go into panic attacks, and this, that, and the other. She, she crammed this all into 60 seconds, and she went into the theory of counting backwards from five, five, four, three, two, one. Apparently she was just like watching the news one day and they had a reclip of the Apollo mission. And in Houston, they always count it back like that. And she figured, well, you know, I have high anxiety during, you know, board meetings or certain meetings or whatever events. And I'm just going to do what Houston does, not knowing that it has some kind of psychological benefit to it. So anyway, she blurps this out, you know, the last 60 seconds. And she says it cured my anxiety completely. And so somebody caught that clip, reposted it on YouTube, and then it went viral and millions and millions of people all over the world saw that clip. And then the uh, people who put the show together, put the event together, they're, you know, like after a year or six months or whatever it was, they're like, can you come back? But can you spend the whole time on this <laughs> count to five business? <laughs> yep. Because yep. what it does, I guess, psychologically or subconsciously, is that it resets the brain. So if you have anxiety or if you have fear, or in your case, you have a case of the laziness, you know, lazies, you don't want to get out of bed or whatever it is, mm. it just says, all right, you got four seconds to deal with it, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, now get up because yeah. it's time to get up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the power of counting backwards from five. So yeah, when I find myself getting a little nervous and in certain situations, I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> because it's, I, I don't know, it's like a distraction. It really does soothe you and calm you down. Yeah. 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 And, and I love that. I mean, I literally do launch right out of bed in the morning. Now, there were a couple of times the alarm beeped more than five times because I had fallen asleep on my arm and it was numb. 
And I'm banging my arm on the clock, and I can't hit the switch. And there's my wife, Tina, going eight, nine, ten. I'm like, I'm trying. (laughs) I have no dexterity here at all. But see, now that's a big point of laughter for me and laughter and joy. So when I'm doing, when I'm getting up in the morning, I think of that. I'm like, oh, geez, I can feel both hands. I better shut it off within five. So it, it propels me even more and drives me. And there's so much actual joy as part of that process now. It's not just to get off your butt. It's, it, it's the firing pin every day. It's, it's what right. gets me to go. And then somewhere between here, our bedroom and my office where all my workout clothes are, is that launch. Yeah. And I'm off and rocking. And I'm, I've got a classic rock song in my head. Usually right after I wake up, I start thinking, what song do I want to listen to first before I switch over to podcasts? And it's always ah. a good rocker. And for some reason, maybe from being a DJ so long or being on the radio, there's always a song ready to, ready to play in my head. And then I pop in my AirPods and I go find it on YouTube. And that's how I start my workout. That's awesome. Or or even like put the visual in your head of the Houston launch, you know, that yeah. the rocket is flying into the air and, you yeah. know, that's how long it takes to, yeah. to, to get to get up there. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, I don't know why they make alarms with a sound. Um, they didn't ask me. I mean, now I'm, you know, of a certain age where I just wake up at 6 a.m., like no matter what, I just naturally wake up. But back in the day when I was in my 20s and 30s, there is no way in heck I could get up at 6. I mean, you reset the clock, reset another clock, reset it for 15 minutes. I was like, there's just no way. Um, If they were to have asked Linda, how would you make an alarm clock, I would not base it on sound. What I would do is I would take a timer, plug it into the wall, plug the lamp into the timer, so at 6 a.m., the light would come on because that <laughs> that activates your circadian rhythm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. daytime, whether it is or not, you know, depending on what latitude you're in. Um, yeah. You know, it still could be dark where you are. But if the light, if there's light that comes through my bedroom, I am like, I don't care if it's 3 in the morning. I I wake up. It's like, oh, time to wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, it's like the truck next door or something's happening, you know, next door. But, yeah, so I'm very light sensitive. So I think they should rethink this whole alarm business with the sound because I don't think it works. Yeah, and, you know, and that would be that would be something interesting to do is, is that. And, you know, I've had the sound. I've, I've dreamt my alarm was going off before, and I turned it off, and I counted to five, and I got both feet on the floor, and I kissed Tina, and I stood up, and I walked into the bathroom, and I walked down the hall to put on my workout clothes, and I looked at my phone, and I said, it's 3.30 in the morning. Oh, what shit. the heck woke me up? And then Oh, you then got I, tricked. Yeah, I got tricked. I thought I was so convinced I'd slept the whole night. I'd only been asleep a few hours. Yeah. And I was so convinced, and it was so real that I almost still went down for a workout. But then I thought, well, I should get some more sleep because I'm going to struggle later in the day if I don't. So right. got my AirPods in, and I we have a Peloton cycle, and we also have access to the Peloton platform of different trainings and coaches. One of them is meditation. So I'll listen. If, if I wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep, I'll get my phone and listen to one of the Peloton sleep medication, uh, meditations. Okay. That'll get me back to sleep much more quickly than watching old episodes of CSI Miami will. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've tried that yeah. too. And four episodes later, I'm like, okay, now I really have to get up and I'm even more tired. <laughs> 
Yeah, they say that there's something with the blue screen from either a television or a monitor that keeps one awake. It's kind of like it gives you a little bit of a dopamine drip, as they say, keeps you actually activated rather than falling asleep, which is what you want to do. Yeah, and my ears ring so much that it's very difficult for me to be in silence and try to get to sleep. So there does need to be some noise. Uh, My wife, Tina, has found some crystal bowl meditation sounds on a black Mm. screen. That oh, nice. We'll sometimes play that on television at night and we'll okay. fall asleep listening to that. Gotcha. Yeah, I think sounds a good thing. Or they have those white noise machines or apps or whatever where, yes. you know, you're hearing gentle water moving or, you know, whatever floats mm-hmm. your boat. But, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of those things that work really well. Yeah. All right, Steve, tell us a little bit about uh, the law of attraction and how can real people put it to use? I mean, of course, millions and millions of people read the book, but I don't know how many people really got the gist of the book or how to make you know, the teachings in the book work for you. So tell us how to cross that barrier. Yeah, yet another concept that I decided to become an expert at that just gets questioned by most people or just thought to be this big woo-woo magic trick. Yeah. Here's the, here's the basic breakdown as far as my interpretation of the law of attraction. The energy that you put out into the world consistently, this is your thoughts, your words, and your actions, do okay. not guarantee a single thing. What they do is increase the odds that you will become aware of opportunities to connect with people or be part of situations that match the energy that you are putting out into the world. Like attracts like. We become magnetic. We become more aware. It's like an antenna that goes up. Mm-hmm. And part of it is our reticular activating system. And part of it is just being aware and using our senses. And people use this example all the time. I want to buy a blue Honda CRV. And all of a sudden, we start to see blue Honda CRVs everywhere because right. our energy, our attention, and our awareness has now included that as part of our filter. Right. right. And when you're looking for either to do something or to be around someone or create a situation or opportunity in your life, this is where I go back to visualization. I want you to see and feel every possible thing you can about what it is you're looking for. Also right. to know why because that's going to push you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. but to be very open with yourself about the potential, about being in the right places with the right people at the right time with the right mindset to yeah. increase the odds that you're going to find that. And the greatest example I have is my wife, Tina. In 2003, 2004, I went through a divorce. I spent a couple of years just working on myself to begin to use visualization to picture my dream relationship. Mm. And I started to... I said, okay, this is the type of person I want to be in a relationship with. Who do I need to be so that that person will find me attractive and want to be in a relationship with me? So I really worked on being more open and communicative because I used to shut down whenever there was conflict, be more open and honest and everything. And I worked on myself for a couple of years, and I used my vision boards. I had pictures of the types of relationships I wanted to be in. In January of 2007, I said, this is the year. And I had pictures of the type of relationship, hand-in-hand walking on a beach, railing of a ship at sunset, laughing, making dinner together in the kitchen, piggybacking his girlfriend through a brook so she wouldn't get all wet, just playful. Yeah. And in early June, I wrote in my journal, I am ready to fall in love. Ten days later, I got an email from someone named Tina, and I almost deleted it as spam. And the next day, I opened it, 
and realized it was a girl I'd gone to high school with. Oh. Who at that point was living a thousand miles away. Realized I remembered having a crush on her for three years at high school, but never asked her out because I had zero confidence and no game at all. Yeah. And over the next three, four weeks, by only phone calls, texts, and emails, she also had no social media footprint. She would not send me a picture. From a thousand miles away, with eyes closed and heart wide open, I started to remember that I'd had a crush on her, and those feelings came back. Well, unknown to me, at the end of those three weeks, she sent me a message saying, can I tell you something if you promise not to freak out? And I said, sure. And then she said, here's how I really felt about you back in school. Here's how I felt Gosh. when I saw you online, which inspired me to look you up and reach out. And here's how I feel right now. I loved you. Wow. And I was actually DJing a wedding at the time, and we're just texting this. Yeah. And I said, I love you too. And slowly, Law of Attraction gave her opportunities to move from Florida back to New England by creating a job for her, and her company paid for the move and everything. All wow. these little situations started to come into play for mm -hmm. us to get together. But it was being open and honest about what we were both looking for with ourselves and each other and being aware of opportunities and not just falling back to old dating patterns that got us both divorced in the past. Right. Wow, what a touching story. So now she still says, you know, I'll tell her, I said, you realize if you ever break into our relationship, you're going to demolish my speaking career. And she goes, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the plan, Steve. Oh, yes. Yeah. She will not come listen to me tell our story, but I know she absolutely loves it. She would just turn red from embarrassment because she's oh. such a, a shy and quiet private person. But she loves our story. And I... I get to relive it every time I tell it, which is great. Oh, that is so sweet. So at the time, you said you were DJing, I guess, a wedding or something. Yeah. Um, did you tell your audience, like, oh, I just got a, a text, and here's what it says? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, you're a poker not. face. <laughs> I think, oh, yeah, you play that close to the vest because, you know, I'm supposed to be working. First of all, it was during dinner time, so it was okay. Okay. But, um, yeah, just – in that moment, I was just so overjoyed, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is how this all works. And It's so magical. In that moment, story. I still think of that moment. I get goosebumped up, and I get, I get emotional telling it on stage, and I've made grown men cry with the full version of that right. story uh, from the stage. Podcast hosts, I, I made them cry with it, and... Got me on Oprah's radio network four times talking about soulmates and law of attraction. So Wow. Wow. Good, good for you. Congrats. You. It is a very good story. Thank wow. You. I just love that. All right. Let's move on to you want to talk about guardian angels. Tell us a little bit about that and how can our audience put that to use. By the way, audience, 323-642-1677. 323-642-1677. Um, Steve is here for about 20 minutes, a little bit under 20 minutes now. So call in. We want to hear your comments or questions. All right. Uh, guardian angels. Yeah, I believe we have guardian angels in our lives pretty regularly. And unlike what Hollywood has tried to do with it, you know, the guardian angel shows up, the clouds part, all the other angels go, ah, and the music swells and the hero <laughs> comes back and all that. Uh, real life, not so much. Yeah. We may not realize who the angels were until mm -hmm. afterward or even long afterward. And 
I've had a few show up in my life over the years. The two I want to mention, when I was, I mentioned when I was 11, I wanted to do all of these things. Well, I lost confidence in my early, late teens, early 20s. I barely graduated college. I'd gone for a business degree, and I graduated by 62 and thousandths of a point, which my dad's favorite joke I ever told in stand-up comedy was that his son graduated summa come this close. So I barely squeaked through college, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a friend who kept asking me, why didn't you ever follow your dream of being on the radio? Mm-hmm. And out of excuses, I was broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch at age 24. My friend was 23. And I just said, I don't know. And I borrowed $4,000 from my grandfather. and went to broadcast school in the summer of 92. End of the summer, I got an internship, not even a paid job, an internship at a rock radio station we grew up listening to. And I drove to my friend's house and I told him, and he was so excited and so proud. And of course I got the, I told you so speech. Three weeks later, that friend passed away. He'd had cancer twice and gotten through it. And then all of a sudden it just came back very quickly. Mm. But I was so happy that he got to see me fulfill what he believed in me to do. Ah. So I survived 10 years in the radio industry and then was working weddings on the weekends that whole time because radio doesn't pay. And I worked about 15 years worth of hours and burnt myself into the ground, absolutely fried, exhausted, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, falling apart. And my marriage was starting to crumble. And I walked away from radio, which led to my divorce, which led to me realizing at age 35, I was $62,000 in debt because I was not paying attention. And I'd taken out a $30,000 loan and built a recording studio on credit and then had no full-time job. So I landed back in the ashes. And on a hot, humid day in August of 2003, I got $3 in my pocket. And I went and took out all my frustrations on a bucket of golf balls at a local driving range. In a thunderstorm, barefoot in the wet grass, under power lines, spent an hour beating the crap out of a bucket of golf balls and even dared the lightning to hit me. I, held, I stood under the power lines holding the club up and dared the storm to hit me. Wow. It was so low. The next day, I was on a weekly phone call with a brand new life coach that I just started working with. And he said, how was your week? And I said, put down your pen and listen to this. And as funny as I could make it sound, extremely self-deprecating because my self-talk at the time was brutal. Mm-hmm. Punishing myself for every decision I'd made that wrecked my life. I told him about the thunderstorm and daring the lightning to hit me and hitting all the golf balls and how when I was done and got to my car, the rain stopped and the sun came out and it made me laugh. And when he stopped laughing, which is something a life coach shouldn't do when your life is that pathetic, <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. empowering. He said, have you ever thought of becoming a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. And I told him about what I'd wanted to do when I was 11. And I told him about my friend who believed in me to get into radio. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've wanted to do them both my whole life, but I don't know how to pursue them on his desk was a brochure for a local community college that had an intro to stand-up comedy class that started two weeks later. It was in his junk mail pile. So he sent it to me, and I went. And a week later, I started my first Toastmasters meeting. Wow. And what I didn't realize the connection of until very recently in the middle of a podcast, both of those people in my life were named Daniel. And the host of that show said, oh, my gosh, they're like guardian angels. The next morning, I looked up at the guardian angel Daniel signifies mm-hmm. the person who invites you to be communicative, to get up on stages, to share messages, to be eloquent, to be empowering. Mm-hmm. 
everything these two people inspired me to get off my butt and do was exactly what the guardian angel Daniel is all about. That is so freaky. Now I could see if it was one, but two, two of the most significant people who caused the greatest changes in my life to put me back in what I referred to as living again, mm-hmm. were both named Daniel. Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I just had them too. I have, I have, I'm never embarrassed. I give myself goosebumps all the time because I'm reliving these things. And it's, it's such a great feeling because it, it causes me to appreciate what I've got and just want to create more and help to educate people on how they can do it as well. And we all experience low points in our life, and it's, sometimes it's a challenge. A lot of times it's a challenge to get out of that ditch. Yeah. So it's really cool. Sometimes you can get out by yourself. Sometimes you have inspiration. But it's really super cool when you have divine inspiration because we never not listen to that message. I mean, I've only had it a couple times in my life, that message. Mm. But boy, were they, like you, they were life-changing events as a result of that message. Yeah. So one of them told me, uh, this is back in the day when I would never get up at four in the morning. The voice kicked me out of bed, said, get up. I'm like, what do you mean get up? It's four o'clock in the morning. No, get up. Go to your computer right now. Type the following words right now. And I'm like, it's four in the morning. They're like, no, no, we're not letting you down from this. Type the following words and you can go back to bed. I'm like, okay. So sure enough, I went to my computer, typed the one sentence that they asked me to type, and then I went back to bed. That one sentence became a book. Became a best-selling book. The book turned into a podcast. The podcast turned into speaking engagements. The speaking engagements turned to coaching. So it was just all a domino thing from my getting up at 4 in the morning to listen to the voice and go do what I was instructed to do. Wow. So, yeah, it was crazy. Like, who knew that? I tried to yep. fight with the voice. I'm like, I'm not getting up. It's four in the morning. Can you bother me? Can you come back at six or seven? At yeah, really. Time? Like there's he's a guardian like, angel snooze button or something. It's like, come he's back. He's like, nope, you got to do it right now. You got to type this sentence and, you know, the rest is history. So wow. my audience, if you guys hear voices like that, act on them right away. Don't fight with them. <laughs> Yeah, and, and don't insist like I used to do because I'd wake up at 2 in the morning with a great idea for a comedy bit or a radio bit or stand-up comedy. And I would okay. say, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. There's no way I could ever forget this, and i fall back asleep. And, of course, I forgot it, but the, the worst part of it is I remembered that I'd had a great oh. idea. Or oh, I used to put a notepad <laughs> on the bed. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd put a notepad on the bed and scribble it, and I'd get up in the morning, and I'd turn it, you know, 90 degrees 90 more, 90 more. And I go, honey, what does Grisdorf mean? I have no idea what that was supposed to be. But it was super funny in the <laughs> In the <laughs> moment, it was genius. But yeah. yeah. So leave yeah. those voices. That What a great example that is. Yeah. And the other time that it happened to me was I was a passenger in a horrible car accident. And I was, you know, the car was just going out of control 80 miles an hour and a very scary situation and the voice said chill down it's not your time wow i went through like 15 seconds of anxiety like during this crash the crash was 
it took 20, according to the witnesses, it took about 20 seconds, the whole thing. So around about the 17th second, <laughs> this voice comes down and goes, it's okay, we got this. It's not your time. And it wow. wasn't. They were right. <laughs> yeah. So wow. listen to the voices. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had guardian angels on the highway before. I used to be borderline narcoleptic, and I, I've woken up wow. to 65 miles an hour with two wheels off the highway before uh, woke up in a different lane right on somebody's front, right on somebody's rear bumper, but didn't hit them. Right. So I, I've kept my guardian angels very busy over the years. Wowie. Something to be said for that. And mm. when you, some people can talk to God all day long or their spiritual being, whatever, all day long. I'm not one of them. You know, but I when I get the message, I get the message. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm exactly the same way. You know, if I'm if I'm having a down day these days, especially during the pandemic and feeling disconnected and just down, I would just tell Tina, I say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store to play shopping cart rodeo. And she knows that's my favorite act of kindness is to just go rescue carriages. Or if somebody is, is putting their last bag in the car from a safe distance, I'll say, excuse me, would you like me to return that for you? And on the worst, most frustrating days, I met the coolest people and and had them laughing and in stitches and when it was over i'd always look up and go yeah i know i was supposed to be here thanks for sending this person for me to to help my day i hope i helped theirs wow every time i went there was always someone there was always an amazing conversation or an act of kindness and until you've made an 84 year old woman who's all of four foot nine and i'm six foot two crack up cackling laughing because i said from a distance ma'am please take your purse out of there i said you see all these security cameras up here i said if they capture you beating me up in the parking lot that's going to be embarrassing and she laughed like she'd been smoking since she was four years old she had a cackle of a laugh and i was 60 feet away almost to the store she was in her car with the windows up i could still hear her laughing oh how cute and i looked up and i said thank you Wow. That was a particularly rough day. And I just said, wow. you know, these angels keep showing up in in the wildest moments. And I appreciate and acknowledge every single one. I'll just, and I'm not super religious, but yeah. I'll look up and go, what I was looking for today, that's what I was in search of. And thanks for, you know, helping me attract that situation and be willing to be a participant in it. Wow. They don't happen to us. They happen through us. And I hear a lot of speakers say that, and I finally got what they meant. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's through. Yeah. It's so cool how that happens like that. So how many Mm. rodeo carts would you uh, corral up there? Like three or four four of them? My record at a time is six because I have really long arms. And if I tried a seventh and if I had to stop, boy, that front one was going to keep going. (laughs) 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 But what I did yesterday, oh, my gosh, I was there last night. There were not a lot of cars in the parking lot, and I had to pick up our grocery to-go order. And Uh I was on a phone call, so I was at the far end of the parking lot. And there was a carriage way, way, way out there abandoned. And I said, okay, you are getting valeted. So I rolled down my window. I stuck my arm out. I got my hand on the cart. And 15 to 20 miles an hour, which I think is faster than the rated speed for a shopping cart, <laughs> I brought it back to the crowd. It was so loud. And I had people looking around like there was something wrong. And they were falling out laughing, watching me escort this cart back to the corral. 
and I was in Crazy. a great mood just from that. So it's it's from rodeo to valet, I guess, and and now that makes me laugh too. Well, they say you got to give some to get some. I I, yeah. I fully believe in that. So good on you. I love these stories. <laughs> it's fun. All right, let's close out the show with the last thought here. You were saying that sometimes with your audience or people you coach, you like to use different senses. So you want Mm -hmm. them to actualize their goals, let them see it. What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? So tell us a little bit about how you incorporate overlaying the senses into goal reaching. Yeah, my favorite example actually happened about 12 years ago at a speaking event. I was in front of about 225 people, and I was talking about visualization. And I said, all right, who has a dream car they would love to drive? And a couple of hands went up, but I saw this little tiny hand way in the back of the room. So I said, okay, Mm -hmm. would you stand up and please tell us? And it was this woman probably in her mid-60s at the time, and she said, yeah, I want a a Corvette because I'm going to retire next summer. And I said, (laughs) okay, and everybody's looking around like, huh? Like nobody else knew this goal. I said, okay, what year? She goes, 1974. I said, Ooh, what color? She goes, bright orange. Okay. And we're rolling. More and more people turn and look at her going, wow, she's this little tiny thing. And she wants a bright orange 74 Corvette. I said, you want a convertible or hard top? She goes convertible because I'm going to the beach at least twice a week. I said, oh, we're good. Hold on. Cloth or leather interior. She goes, oh, honey, black leather. Wow. I said, all right, here's the question. What's going to be playing in the stereo? She goes, oh, baby, Elvis Presley, come on. So I said, okay, we got a bright orange 74 Corvette convertible with black leather interior flying to the beach at least twice a week, cranking Elvis Presley the whole way. And she goes, yep. I said, does any dealership around here have that car you'd like to buy? She goes, yeah, there's one I've kind of had my eye on. I said, Mm -hmm. okay. Who in this room wants to go to lunch with her tomorrow, go to the dealership that has the Corvette, and take her picture while she's sitting in that driver's seat with the sunglasses on and a smile a mile wide? I said, once you get that picture, I want you to put it on your desk. I want you to look at that every single day from now until you retire. And you connect with that. You smell the leather. You hear Elvis. You you feel the wind in your hair going to the beach and the sun on your face. I said, that's how we put every sense into the goals we want. I love that. Love me tender. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For me, it's burning love. Hunk a hunk of burning love. That's my favorite Elvis song. So yeah. that's the one I'd be listening to, cranking out on my way to the beach. <laughs> I love that. That's, and how, how far away was your goal? Like a few years off? Um, she was about a year from retirement. Oh, only so, a year. Yeah. So good. I hope she yeah. did that every day. That's very cool. I hope she did. I re- it was only a one-off speaking event. It wasn't an ongoing coaching relationship, which I have with some of my clients. So right. I never actually was able to follow up to find out. Oh. But we you guys should have traded numbers day. or traded emails or something. I wish oh, well. now that we had, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the visualization thing that we were, we had started at the beginning of the show. But, yeah, mm-hmm. all these things go hand in hand. Audience, if you want to find out more about my guest, you can contact him at his namesake, Steve gamlin.com steve gamlin.com g-a-m like mary l-i-n like nancy dot com all right so any final words or closing comments you'd like to anything you want to promote or whatever now's the time to to go for it yeah well i've got the vision board mastery learning program which people can find out on my site but the advice i would like to give everybody 
to wrap up the show is, as you go through the world every day, wherever you find yourself, ask yourself this question. How can I leave this situation a little better than I find it? How can I leave plus signs in my wake wherever I go every day? Because it's going to take all these individual ripples for us to make the world a better place. It's not going to be a snap of the fingers. It's not going to happen all at once. And you can say you want to impact a million lives. Yeah. Start with one today. Right. When you do that consistently, the habits you develop, you never know where those ripples are going to go. So do your best to just leave plus signs in your wake as often as you can. I know it's not easy but as often as you can every day. And when you walk away, just say, hey, I'm glad I did this. So you're being grateful in the moment as well. And don't ask for a a return on your deposit. It's just do it just because. Do it because it makes you feel good. So if you get a return, that's the bonus right there. So, Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, you certainly have been motivational firewood. I'll have you explain to the audience what exactly that means. But that's your brand name, I think you said. So tell the audience, what what does that mean, motivational firewood? When I first became a speaker, right around 2004, 2005, I went to a National Speakers Association meeting in the Boston area. It was my first time, and I had the little blue visitor badge. You got to write your own name. And one of the yeah. veteran members said, oh, hey, Steve, it's, it's nice that you're here with us today. What do you do? I said, well, I, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. He said, okay, well, what sets you apart? I said, well, I want to motivate people. He said, Steve, we all want to motivate people. <laughs> what makes you different or unique or interesting or what's your, your angle? And right. God love him. He could have been another Uh, one of the angels. His name was Don. So it was close enough to Dan, I guess. And he was so patient and gracious that about three minutes later, I finally threw my hands up. I said, Don, if someone's paying to come hear me speak, they have a spark in their heart of something they want to change in their lives, but they don't know how to do it. If I share a story, a tip, a tactic, a strategy, an example that they can use in their lives and wake up the next day and take an action and make their life better. It's like I gave him a piece of motivational firewood or something. And he snapped his fingers. He says, that is cool. He said, look about trademarking that. He said, but the best part, I just got to watch your face light up when you just explained it like that. He said, young man, don't ever lose that. That was great. And he said, and, and that was a big, huge thing to me because I was clueless when I started as a speaker. Hmm. Oh, that, that was a good beginning. Goodness. Yeah, and I've owned the trademark <laughs> ever fire- since. It was firewood. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of back in the day when that tablet came out. It was called Amazon's tablet. It was called Kindle. And I'm like, yes. Kindle? What does Kindle mean? And yeah. so I wrote to them one day, and they're like, it sparks a fire that you're going to mm-hmm. read this book, this ebook. They had just yeah. invented ebooks at that time, and they invented the tablet that went along with the ebook, right? All joint marketing, as they say. Oh, yeah. And they said, by reading this book, it will inspire you. It'll be the, the Kindle, the, the spark, the flame that gets the fire going. So yeah. it'll be your Kindle. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. This was great fun and a pleasure, and you had such good advice for my audience. Really loved it a lot, so I hope we can do this again sometime. I would love to, and thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this conversation. It was I'll give you my favorite word to use, effortless, and I mean that in the best way possible. Aww. 
Wow, nice. Warms my heart. All right, we're going to close out the show now. Thank you, audience, for being here today. If you didn't catch us live, you can catch us on the replay, which will be up in about an hour or two. So in all the usual places, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, you can catch it all over the place. So we're going to close out the show. We will see you next week. Uh, Same time, same place, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Bye for now. We'll see you next time. Oh, and we have a quick word. Okay, we'll do the quick word, and then we'll close it out. Men, I have got a special treat for you. You definitely want to get a copy of The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever by Linda Gross. She interviewed over 20,000 men to write this book, and she combined 10 years of academic research at UCLA on relationships spanning from the caveman days to the present. And now she has a virtual encyclopedia for men who want to learn everything about women. So jump over to Amazon and get your copy of The Science of Mastering Women by author Linda Gross. It will absolutely change your life, and it will help you understand women a whole lot better. Go to Amazon, type in Linda Gross, The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. You can get it in paperback. You can download it as well. And after you read the book, make sure you follow her on her podcast and go to Amazon and give her a really nice review and tell her that Fred sent you. Go get your copy of The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever by Linda Gross. Go get your copy now. And brand new now, we have the audio book, which is also on Amazon or in 50 different book hosting platforms like Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Spotify. It's everywhere. So go get the audio book version because I know you guys have been waiting for that. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye for now.